Hello everyone and welcome to Box Office Receipts. I'm your host Tyler Callahan and we got huge news to discuss as Hollywood is buzzing with the WGA strike ending. That's right, the WGA and studios have finally reached an agreement for a new three-year contract. We will go over that, but first, we do have some box office numbers to talk about. Taking a look at the domestic top five first, it was a very close fight, but the Nun 2 retained first place with $14.7 million for a total of $56.5 million. Opening in second place right behind it was A Haunting in Venice with $14.5 million. In third place was The Equalizer 3 with $7.2 million for a total of $73.6 million. Fourth place was My Big Fat Greek Wedding 3 with $4.7 million for a total of $18.5 million. And fifth place was Barbie with $3.9 million for a total of $626.1 million. So the Nun 2 had a solid weekend, only dropping uh, 55% compared to its opening weekend. As for Haunting in Venice, well, it could have done better. Uh, it did open slightly better than the previous film, Death on a Nile, uh, but only by less than $2 million, and it opened up to about half of the first one did, the Murder on the Orient Express. Uh, back then, back in 2017, Murder on the Orient Express opened to $28.6 million. Uh, the only good news here is that the budget was around $60 million, so if it can hold decently domestically and it's carried more internationally, which will, it'll have to be at this case, it could break even at the box office. If not, uh, 20th Century Studios and Disney better hope VOD sales are strong. Opening in first place in China was The Expendables 4 with $10.7 million. In second place was Dust to Dust, which was right behind it with $10.4 million. For a total of 43.3 million. Third place was Oppenheimer with 4.1 million for a total of 53.2 million. Uh, fourth place was No More Bets with another 3.8 million dollars for a total now of 517.2 million. Fifth place was Tainted Love which debuted with 3.1 million and opening in sixth place was A Haunting in Venice with 2.3 million. Definitely a quiet weekend at the box office in China. As for the latest Hollywood releases, I don't think anyone was expecting A Haunting in Venice to do big numbers, so it not opening in the top five isn't surprising. Now taking a look at international numbers, A Haunting in Venice opened to $22.7 million for a worldwide opening weekend of $37.2 million. Internationally, it's a bit better, but it needs to hold strong in the coming weeks to have a chance. The Nun 2 earned another $30.1 million, for a worldwide total of 158.8 million. The Equalizer 3 earned 8.3 million for a worldwide total of 132.4 million. Gran Turismo made 3.5 million for a total of 103 million. Meg 2 The Trench is at 390.2 million worldwide, and Oppenheimer is now at 912.7 million worldwide. As for news in Hollywood, let's go over the latest from the WGA strike ending. That's that's right, the WGA and AMPTP have finally reached an agreement on a new three-year deal. As for next steps, the WGA leadership will vote on it, and if approved, will go to the union members to vote yes or no for it. Based on what the WGA have been saying, it sounds like this will pass no problem. As for what was agreed upon, well, the WGA got some version of just about everything that they asked for. 
for raises, they got the minimum to go up to 12.5% over the next three years, with it breaking down to 5% this year, 4% in 2024, and the remaining 3.5% in 2025. For the big items like AI, they got it established that a writer is a human, and that AI cannot write or rewrite material, and also cannot be used to undermine a writer's credit on a project. Writers are allowed to use AI tools when writing, if the company they are working for agrees to it, and a writer follows company policies. Companies must also notify writers if they were given any material that was generated by AI. Uh, so yeah, for AI, which was huge for writers, uh, they got what I think was a good deal on that. They also got an approved deal on viewership data, with studios now agreeing to give the total number of hours streamed for shows and films both domestically and internationally. WGA is also allowed to give members this data in aggregated form. So they can say, oh, people watched movies for you know 50 million hours this month on Disney+, Plus, right, compared to shows. Uh, but they can't say which titles. This is better than what was the previous offer, which was a quarterly report from the studios, and only a handful of people from the union could actually see it. Also, the other big thing for the WGA was the writer rooms and mandatory staffing. This is something the studio said this was a non-starter for the entire strike. Well, they made concessions on that as well. So how it works now is if a studio is developing a show, they must hire three writer-producers, including the showrunner. This is now called the development room and would come with a guaranteed 10 weeks of work for that team. If the studio picks up the show, aka it is greenlit and it's going to move forward, then the minimum number of writers goes up to five if the show reaches seven episodes. If the show is longer with 13 episodes or more, then the team gets another writer. I think this is a solid compromise as it basically breaks it down to if you're going to have longer seasons, you need more writers. And look, a lot of shows these days are 10 episodes or less for a season, so it's not like most productions will hit that last requirement of another writer if it gets to 13. Overall, at least what WGA members are saying online, they are very happy about the deal. The WGA also released a statement as well about it. Quote, congratulations to the WGA on reaching a tentative agreement tonight on behalf of their members. We have been proud to support the writers in their fight for a fair deal and look forward to reviewing the details of the agreement. Now it's time for the AMPTP to get back to the table with SAG-AFTRA and address the needs of performers. End quote. Now we wait for the studios and actors to work on closing a deal. The BBC is reporting that Warner Brothers is expanding their UK studio lot at Levinson. First, it will become the home of DC Studios moving forward. So all DC films and shows will primarily be filmed there. The studio is also expanding the capabilities of what can be produced there, with plans to build 10 new sound stages and 400,000 new square feet of production and support space. Construction on this will start in the second quarter of 2024 and is expected to be completed sometime in 2027. This isn't a surprise and kind of makes sense as it was a Heavily used studio lot anyway. Recent films like Barbie were filmed there, as well as the upcoming Aquaman and The Lost Kingdom. Then you have Game of Thrones shows. Uh, if Warner Brothers gets serious about the Harry Potter show, they're gonna need the space. I guess technically Game of Thrones is really, I don't know if it's still filmed, but the original was filmed in Northern Ireland. Don't know if they would use this, but maybe for pickup shots. Deadline is exclusively reporting that Mark Webb has signed on to direct a movie for Skydance called Bermuda. It is supposed to be an action-adventure film based on, that's right, the Bermuda Triangle. This one will take a while to make as there is no writer for it since 
well, you know, the strike was going on. But you know, once the deal is ratified, but once the deal is ratified, they can start that process. A24 has gotten an interim agreement with SAG for their upcoming film, The Iron Claw. This is based on a true story about a wrestling family and stars Zac Efron, Jeremy Allen White, and Lily James. Thanks to the agreement, the cast will be able to promote the film ahead of its release in theaters on December 22nd. An exclusive from Deadline, they are reporting that Netflix has bought Hitman for $20 million at the Toronto International Film Festival. This is a comic thriller movie developed by Richard Linklater and stars Glenn Powell and Adrina Adjora. Powell, he is also a writer for the film, having co-wrote the script with Linklater. Now, it seems like Netflix did not get the worldwide rights to the film, with Deadline noting that they got the rights for the US, UK, India, Vietnam, Iceland, South Korea, Hong Kong, Australia, and New Zealand. They also mentioned that there is a theatrical component as part of the deal, whether that means a release like Knives Out or just the normal limited release remains to be seen. Beside the strikes, we get a few new release dates for upcoming movies. At Lionsgate, they have set John Woo's latest film, Silent Night, to come out December 1st. Lionsgate acquired the rights to the film, and it stars Joel Kinnaman, who goes out for vengeance after seeing his son die. I'm looking forward to seeing, seeing this one. An exclusive from Deadline, they are reporting that Paramount is moving its Mean Girls movie from Paramount Plus and will instead be heading to theaters, debuting on January 12th. As for what the film is, since it has the same title as the original Mean Girls film, it is a film adaptation of the play that was adapted from the movie. So it is partially a musical as well. This is not a straight remake of the original. Still with January usually a quiet month, this is a good time to release it, I think. Paramount also made some other release date changes by pushing back their Bob Marley biopic One Love from January and will now come out February 14th, and Smile 2 has a release date, with it coming out to theaters October 18th, 2024. MGM is moving up Saltburn by one week. It will now have a limited release set for November 17th, followed then by a wide release on November 22nd. And for movies coming out soon, the reviews for Expendables 4 are coming out, and what a surprise, it's bad. Yeah, a real shocker here, as anyone who watched the trailer could tell you, it's coming in at a 14% on Rotten Tomatoes. We did get some new trailers this week, the first being from A24 for Dream Scenario, starring Nicolas Cage. This has garnered some interest since premiering at the Toronto International Film Festival. It'll be released in theaters on November 10th. Not sure, but I think it will be a limited release first, and then move into a wide release. And from Lionsgate, we got a new trailer for The Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes, a.k.a. The Hunger Games prequel. I gotta say, it still looks like a solid movie, and should be a good watch. I will say, I have not read the book, so I'm not sure if the story itself will be good or not. It comes out November 17th. We start off VOD Premium with Disney, where they announced that Pixar's latest film, Elemental, earned the biggest movie debut on Disney Plus for the year, with 26.4 million views in the first five days. Since they are coming out willingly with the news, I expect it to hit high on the Nielsen charts in about a month. But look, for a very disappointing year for Disney, Elemental is one of the few bright spots for them. Disney has also renewed the Japanese trauma horror series Ganabul for a second season. The show is available on Disney Plus everywhere but the United States, where you can watch it on Hulu. Also just released on Hulu and for Disney Plus around the world is No One Will Save You. This is a thriller horror movie from 20th Century Studios and stars Caitlin Dever. So far, it's gotten good reviews, with it certified fresh at 82% on Rotten Tomatoes. 
Paramount have announced some release dates for upcoming movies hitting the service. First is Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Mutant Mayhem, which will premiere on September 19th, and Good Burger 2 will premiere on November 22nd. Should be noted for Good Burger 2, it is not a worldwide release with the US and Canada getting it on the 22nd, UK and Australia getting it on the 23rd, and as for everyone else, it's not known at this point. Not sure why they are staggering the release like this, but for now, that is the release schedule. Paramount also announced that Paramount Plus will be debuting in Japan in December. Like in other parts of the world, it will not be a straight subscribe to it as an individual service. Instead, they are partnering with JCOM, an internet and cable provider, as well as WowWow, which is a paid TV service. Customers to either JCOM or WowWow will get Paramount Plus at no additional cost. Over at Prime Video, Variety is reporting that Amazon is planning to start adding ads when watching. While there is no set date, it is expected to launch in a few countries in early 2024 and then roll out further. The first few countries will be the US, UK, Canada, and Germany. As for how it will work is that all Prime members will be included in it. Basically, the default version of Prime Video will have ads going forward. However, Amazon will give customers the option to go back to ad-free for an additional $2.99 per month. With everyone doing ads, it is not that surprising that Amazon is doing the same, especially since they have to pay a good amount for the Thursday night football rights. And look, if they want to expand more into sports, that's going to cost them a good amount of money. And compared to other streamers, the $2.99 upcharge isn't that bad. Staying with Amazon, MGM Plus has picked up a new show called Beacon 23. The new sci-fi show was left in limbo since late last year, originally a Spectrum original with Spectrum and AMC Networks co-producing it. When Spectrum shut down their original division, you know, kind of in flux since then, now it has a new home at MGM Plus with the first season coming out November 12th. At Peacock, they have pulled what other streamers have been doing lately and pulled an Uno reverse card. The casualty was the Pitch Perfect spinoff bumper in Berlin, which was cancelled even though it was renewed for a second season. As for why, well, Variety reports it was due to strikes and that with those causing productions to be pushed back, Peacock has decided to cancel rather than wait. Also for Peacock, a big limited series for them, The Continental, aka the John Wick spinoff prequel, is getting decent reviews and is at a 63% on Rotten Tomatoes. And let's finish up with the latest Nielsen numbers. These are the ones for the week of August 21st to the 27th. To the surprise of no one, Suits came in first place again with 2.7 billion minutes watched. This now marks 10 straight weeks of Suits being the top dog on the Nielsen charts. Netflix's Who Is Aaron Carter debuted in second place with 1.03 billion minutes watched. Ballers from HBO, which is now on Netflix, remains in the top 10, coming in seventh place with 656 million minutes watched. For Disney+, Plus, Ahsoka debuted in fifth place with 829 million minutes watched for its first two episodes. That's not bad, but the real test for Ahsoka is can it maintain being in the top 10. And that's it for this episode of Box Office Receipts. If you want to follow me on Threads, X, or Facebook, links to those are in the show notes. Thank you for listening, and see you next time.